0: You're listening to The Greatest Multifamily Investment Advice Show. My name is Adam Ross, and now I'm talking everything multifamily for an in-depth conversation. And I will be diving deep into raising capital, deals, and underwriting process. Welcome back to The Greatest Multifamily Advice Show. Today, we have Dave and Melanie Dupuy an exceptional guest and real estate investor out of North Bay, region of Ontario, focusing on scaling his uh, their portfolio with more than 240 units and coaching. Please welcome our guest Dave and Melanie. So, hello,
1: hello, uh, hey. thanks for having thanks us. For
0: having us. <laughs> uh, so thanks so much for being with us today and I appreciate you taking the time. Uh, Dave and Melanie, your background is super impressive from firefighter and teaching to su- successful multifamily was more than, as I mentioned, 240 units. But I would like to start with beginning. What was the motivation to switch from teaching and firefighting to multifamily?
1: Yes, and I, 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 work, I taught part-time, but yes, I used to work at our local college. Um, Dave was a full-time firefighter. And uh, I think what really happened is that we realized, although we were we thought we did it all right we thought we had uh we had a pension we had benefits
2: we we Uh, had those the golden handcuffs yeah (laughs) but benefits union exactly all that stuff
1: but we didn't have the time we didn't have the okay I, want, and I just I wanted more than that. I wanted just the, the freedom of choice to be able to have our, our flexibility and more time with our children. And one little thing for me was I really, really wanted to make sure that I just had more time with the kids and be able to see my little guy get on the school bus and off the school <laughs> bus and, and be there for my girls after school. And, and I, I wasn't able to do that before. So that's what really motivated us to, to get started.
2: Yeah.
0: So uh, about as a business, what was uh, your initial target market and now? I think we mentioned that you're working now in U.S. on different markets and Mexico and uh, uh, Caribbean, I think, and also Ontario. Uh, What was the initial markets and what is your criteria right now when you're choosing a market?
2: Criteria right now, and and you're bang on, Adam. Um, So Canada, yeah, U.S., Mexico, Costa Rica. So the criteria now is more and more landlord friendly, right? So provinces or states or countries or, or asset classes um, that allow you to have more control over the asset. Hmm. So what I like about let's let's say Canada, right. Um, multifamily is our kind of our bread and butter, uh, in the States we're, we're in Texas and Florida for taxes, for the landlord. Um, I don't want to say rights, but just kind of, it's more, let's say of a landlord state over a a tenant state Hmm. just kind of levels the playing ground. And then Mexico and Costa Rica is short-term rentals, just trying to get some of that usd money right because it's in usd as opposed to canadian dollars and then yeah. also um yeah. those people leave they're there for three days a week and then they leave and they're willing to pay a premium to to be there so
0: hmm.
2: um i guess that's kind of the the criteria
0: so uh, still
2: doing it again with no joint venture partners and, and none of our own money right so that's <laughs> yeah, this is gonna be
0: another question <laughs> about uh, the actual financing but you mentioned a great part, which is uh, basically the cap rate and uh, investor-friendly markets. Whereas in Ontario, there's rent control, it's cash for keys. It's hard to kick out—not gonna say kick out tenants—but to apply your strategy, which has now been on the market more than ten years, which is forced appreciation, it's hard to make it on on this market. But if we switch it to saskatchewan and alberta why not saskatchewan alberta and why is the focus on more than florida and uh texas and right now also alabama uh cincinnati ohio different marketing u.s what was the upside about the u.s market
2: yeah and great and i agree with you with alberta uh we like alberta as well for it's kind of like the texas of uh of canada but in my opinion anyway yeah. um the thing with with choosing those states. Now, why do we choose Texas and Florida? It was, again, the taxes, right? And then uh, I, I I see the market as almost like North Bay used to be. And North Bay is still a great market where we are, but it's, it's kind of like setting the, the dial back five years or so. And mm-hmm. what I mean by that is there's still going to be some nice cash flow, some nice cap rates. You're still going to be able to lift the asset with renovations and... and
0: Force um, uh, uh, like appreciation.
2: Yeah, I can't think of it. Once you stabilize it, renovate and reposition the asset. The reason I chose those is I just find like Ohio, again, is a great market, but I just find it's kind of, it's always done that, right? You will get some appreciation, but I just find Texas and Florida, there's a bigger lift uh, year over year. Um, So that was the, but again, the whole red belt in the States is a pretty safe bet um but yeah that's why we picked those two states out of out of all the red belt in my opinion yeah and we
1: just really wanted to diversify as well our, our portfolio so um we still own a lot of properties here in ontario but we at, at this point we won't really wanted to have a diversified portfolio using of course the basic strategies that we use however implementing them in, in different states and, and different countries as well
0: so uh, regarding the u.s port, what is your uh, criteria for the for the underwriting like cap rate wise, um, a vacancy rate. So what is the main thing you're looking for when you're looking for a deal on the US side, on this yeah, market in particular?
2: Yeah, I'm typically looking, I'm not saying that I won't look at anything under six cap rate, mm-hmm. but I typically like to look at six cap rate or over eight is obviously, well, I don't have to explain that. So I'm typically six and over ish, not, yeah. not a hard and fast rule. You can still find deals at five that are awesome. Uh, so, but that's kind of like my, my landing, uh, area. And then, uh, I forget your other question, Adam, you said cap rate. Oh, the vacancy rate. I'm looking for less than all underwrite with three typically, but I'm looking for, you know, um, five, two to five. two to one. Well, even Ooh. it depends on the asset class. Like I like okay. it to be lower than okay. that. I'll underwrite with three, but I like it to be even lower, okay. uh, but I just, I just give myself that buffer.
0: Yeah. So going back to the actual performance of uh, the actual property, I I like to focus on the main things here. When you're looking for a deal on the uh, return side, what is uh, your target for the internal return and the cash on cash percentage wise?
1: Yeah. Oh, and, sorry, it, and it really depends. I mean, some some properties we're going in, and the cash flow may not be quite as high. We're mm. just we know that we're going to get a huge appreciation. You know, hundreds of thousands of dollars on on some of the properties that we're finding. Um, however, the cash flow from day one may not be as high. If somebody's just getting started in real estate, perhaps that's not the best strategy when you first start. When we first started, it was Um, all about cash flow because we wanted to quit our full-time job. So, and that's often the way as as a real estate investor, when you start off, especially if you do want to create that time and and financial freedom for yourself, you'll want that cash flow coming in to help replace your your income. Um, And then once you do get to a certain point, then you can go after the properties where even if the cash flow is not quite as high, but you can get those forced appreciations Mm -hmm. um, those ones are really nice as well
2: no I agree there's no set number Adam per se Mm -hmm. it's almost it's almost like an overall picture something can have a great rate of return but how much time effort money headache am I going to have to put into it so it's it's almost like an overall picture Mm -hmm. as opposed to just the just the dollars and cents it's hey this this is really going to be worth the squeeze but I'm going to have to raise a lot of capital just for this project it's going to be labor intent not labor time intensive Uh, and all that uh, resource intensive. Maybe it's not worth it. Maybe I get some lower hanging fruit somewhere that doesn't have as much of a big, or sorry, as big of a ROI, but it's Low-hanging fruit, and I can do it in my sleep. So it's kind of that overall picture. No, it really is the bigger
1: picture, especially now. At first, it was all cash flow because that's what we needed, <laughs> even if it was a little bit more time consuming. Yeah. Um, we were okay with that to, to get started in our portfolio. And now it's just really that that balance of, of course, good cash flow, amazing appreciation, and uh and and low maintenance as well. And although we're not doing our own property management now. We did for years, but we're no longer doing that. Um, it's nice to be able to be hands-off and know that place are getting rented. And overall, the tenants are really good and take care of the properties and all that as well, because that doesn't in- decrease your expenses as well.
0: Before we jump to your uh, uh, hot subject of no money down, no joint venture, I want to, uh, because you guys are expert on north space especially on the Canadian market, what is the actual performance now? Due to the new spike, because as you see, you're shifting. I know that you still have your portfolio on North Bay, but what is that, what you see right now due to the new spike of interest on the inventory price average average prices and the impact on the multifamily right now? Because we've been seeing some sort of a decline on the last three months, starting from 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 February. Uh, um. So what you see right now is the performance on North Bay.
2: Yeah. And we can just talk in general, even for Ontario, or like the way I'm seeing and and I speak weekly with the mortgage brokers um, and I'm not an economist, but I speak with them all the time. So I won't, I'm not going to try and do predict projections, predictions, predictions, predictions. (laughs) whatever. Anyway, you you go over it. Remember I was a firefighter, right? Uh, But anyway, what I'm saying (laughs) is that is what I'm getting at is with the interest rates going up, well, they're, they're going up a lot right now, the prices are going down, right? It's just, it is what it is to fight inflation. However, they, they won't, at some point, they're going to plateau on the interest rates, things are going to change, then they're going to start coming back down again, right? Hmm. And in regards to prices, I think with immigration, right, with, with Canada's strong immigration, um, opening up again, which I love immigration, Um, that supply and demand is not going to go away. And typically just from experience, a lot, we have a lot of uh, mentees and students that are, that are they immigrate from all sorts of different places, right? India, Jamaica, Nigeria, all sorts of different places. And they'll typically rent for the first year or two. So that's the rental market is going to continue to be strong. Those rents are going to continue to be high. That is going to continue to to have um, uh, to push those prices up. So it might go down in the short term, but as a long-term buy and hold real estate investor, this is just another, another little speed bump in the in the journey as, as I kind of look at it.
0: Okay. Okay, so going into the hot topic, uh, how you managed to create your own system to risk capital, which is OPM, uh, and what was the advantages uh, versus, uh, because my understanding is that your system based on uh, debt partners, not equity partners. So we're comparing between two different systems uh, you choose one system and you think it's a better approach. So I want to hear what is your uh, rational and because you did a lot of success on this, which is based on VTPs, second mortgages, uh, property note. Uh, so uh, to you.
1: Yeah, and I'll go first, and I'm sure you'll have something to add, Dave. But um, yeah, so no joint venture partners. And I wouldn't say it's, I mean, it's better. I think it's a choice. So I don't have anything. I have a lot of friends who invest in, in joint ventures. I'm not against it. It was just for us, it just wasn't the fit that that what we wanted. Um, we really wanted to, to pass it on to our kids and and be the sole decision makers. This guy was enough to, to have to speak with and and kind of go back and forth on what we're buying and not. And I thought, you know, we, we both really wanted to keep it amongst ourselves and, and keep the cash flow and the appreciation. So that was kind of number one, our decision making. And I think what really changed our life and, and our perception our perception was when we read the book rich dad poor dad by robert kiyosaki many yeah. i'm sure if your listeners have uh, read that book yeah. as well and although it didn't teach us how to do this mm-hmm. it was the mindset shift because we were the opposite we used i used to work three jobs they were three and even sometimes four jobs <laughs> trying to work on time to trying to do it our way of still solely owning our properties And I mean, we were just changing our time for money and and that's not what we wanted for ourselves or or for our kids. And then we started hearing about vendor take backs and promissory notes. And once we had the mindset realizing that this is not a scam, this can be a win-win, like the people who lend us money, whether it's the owner or somebody's secured funds like RSPs or for 1K for, for those in the States, um it benefits them the same way that it benefits me as well and once we made it a win-win that's how we we're really able to
0: uh grow our portfolio
2: and to go to I'm, I'm just thinking of your like the root of your question why
0: he's he has something to add <laughs> <Shocker>. <laughs> so i'm so i called
2: it right well, I'm just, <laughs> right adam I'm just, thinking, I'm just thinking equity partner versus debt partner it's just we knew that as long as we had someone else's money for the down payment, the, the, the renovations, the deposits, all of those things, we could do what we needed to do, raise the amount of money, give them a healthy return, without having to give them fifty percent ownership or forty or sixty, whatever the split is. So yeah. we just—it was almost as though, not, not, I'm not saying we knew too much, but it was—I just I, I couldn't live with giving someone fifty percent of the work and the lift that I had. I'll gladly give them, I don't know, eight, 10%, 12% interest on on the money that they lent me. But that legwork and the work and the the sweat equity or whatever that we put into it, I just couldn't fathom giving them 50% of that. So it was almost, but again, it's a personal choice. A lot of people do joint ventures and and that's fine. It's just we just I just wanted to keep more of the money, to be honest with you. I have something
0: to add here, to be honest. Yes. Because the strategy here is. It's it show how you really hard worker because on the debt part, you really have to stretch your, stress yourself because if you're not paying and let's say on this in this year you have five, six properties who's after you is can really uh, have a rest like can take your property because if you're not performing, but this is meant showing that you guys were really doing hard work because you didn't lose any of your properties. So mm-hmm. I'm gonna tell you the challenge. The challenge is, is always thinking that on equity partner you have time to perform in five, six years, but on, on the actual part of the debt partners, which is you're succeeding on, you're really showing your mentality because you didn't lose anything. You've been always Correct. meeting with, with your do you are. Uh, paying your 10-12 percent which means that you're performing but the issue here is the stress and as you mentioned is uh, the actual person choice but you're succeeding and you're making more returns on investment than others but it's more aggressive i think unless you disagree with me
1: i I would just i wouldn't uh, disagree in some sense but i'll I'll add some context to it so a couple things as well so although you know, so one year, for example, we bought 12 properties in 12 months, no DVs, none of our own money. Um, That was 56 apartments. Now, I didn't just look at those 12 properties, I analyze a whole lot more of deals, and you're bang on, not every deal will make sense. And some interests were higher, right, in, in the double digits, some were 3%, some were 5%, some were 5%. It just depends on the actual deal itself. And I love giving myself a lot of time. Like I usually wouldn't do a one year unless I have a really, really strong exit strategy. Quite often they are longer terms. So it could be three years, five years, seven years, but it's really identifying your, and that was my fear. So I completely, and I love your question, Adam, because I, that was my mindset. I was so sure. afraid when I started. What if I can't pay back anyone? And, and and that's why we create a strategy where we have to have. And if anybody's excited about this owner financing and those different strategies, you have to have an extremely clear exit strategy before you enter the deal. And that's how we've been able to to grow our, our portfolio successfully. Because I don't just accept any deal. Mm-hmm. I can get a hundred finance deals on my desk. We get them quite often, uh, but I don't buy them because I don't have a clear exit strategy. Even if I cash flow, if I don't know precisely how I plan on on paying them debt back, I just pass on the deal. So it's really making sure that you know how to find a lot of deals and analyzing and only moving forward on the ones that make strategic sense.
0: Which is bring us to the secret recipe. What is your secret recipe on on this to to have an actual exit strategy? Because as you mentioned, it's risky, but you're performing. That means that you have an actual successful system to judge on the underwriting process when you're saying this is gonna have an actual exit strategy if something gets over.
2: Yeah. And again, it's not like, just kind of like the, the criteria it's, it's the overall picture and it comes with, how do I say this? Yes. Yeah, strict underwriting hundred percent, right? The ARV, the after repair value is going to come into play the underwriting. What's the financing going to be on the back end? All of that comes into play um, the tenant profile. That's also going to come into play the management, uh, how much renovation. So like, and I know I'm giving you a broad answer, Adam, it's just, it's not one secret sauce. It's applying all of that knowledge together. And just making sure, right? If you if you have tenants that are lifers, and you're thinking, hey, I'm going to come in here, I'm going to up the rents, and I'm going to do all this stuff, and let's say you're buying a duplex, there's two units. Well, they've been there for 15 years. If they if they're dug their heels in and they're not moving anywhere, (laughs) good luck raising that asset, right? So right off the hop, it's the numbers, yes, underwriting, Mm. but it's also looking at the project, looking at the property, and with which comes with experience or with coaching or knowledge, but Mm. it's looking at that property and going this one's a gamble I, I think i'll move on to the next one and, and just not it's it's thinking with this and not with this um and, and just sticking to the system so there's no secret sauce it's kind of an overall application to each and every deal and doing the due diligence and analyzing it and, and that's what's been the exit strategy
1: and knowing um, what the deal can sustain as well right as I've i mentioned that we paid very low interest rates on, on some deals and some deals we've paid higher And it just because it it depended what the deal could sustain. Some deals can sustain a higher interest rate because I know I'm going to make hundreds of thousands off the deal. I'm okay to give a little bit more to my lender because it's a win-win and and everybody's happy. And then we're going to continue doing business together. Some deals, I may not be able to go as high because again, it's just my exit strategy wouldn't be there as well. So it's, it's, David is bang on. It's, we take the emotions out of it. It has to be a numerical, logical, uh, strategic decision, as opposed to, thinking with this, especially when you've put in um, your heart into it. I mean, some deals that we spent a lot of time in and even some money on, and we decided to walk back away. Out, we backed uh, out and, and and we backed out not because we wanted to, but because it made financial sense to, to just back, back away from the deal.
0: Okay. Uh, going back to the U.S. market, uh, how was uh, your system in the U.S.? What was your approach for the U.S. deals? Did you uh, follow, again, the VTPs and the same strategy or... Uh, GV, GV uh, because you mentioned still you're following your system, which is no GVs, just uh, your system. Mm-hmm. It,
2: it, same philosophy, and I don't want to say the same thing because there were, obviously there are complications as Canadians. I shouldn't say complications. Differences. Uh, there you go, differences. <laughs> but, but there Dave is complication,
0: is, to be honest, uh, because in U.S., well, you're alien. And you're exactly. not a U.S. citizen, so the lending options is less for you as a, as a, a Canadian, so it's not easy like here.
2: A hundred percent. And yeah, we're foreign nationals or aliens, whatever exactly. (laughs) Yeah. So
0: it was getting that structure set
2: up properly, right. With the cross-border accountants, cross-border lawyers, making sure that we're not going to get double taxation because then what's the point. Um, But it was the same strategy. Like I'll take a deal in Texas. It was a mobile home park. I think it was 11 or 14. Anyway, it doesn't matter. And it was a mobile (laughs) home park. The seller was going to hold the first mortgage of don't quote me this was months ago maybe maybe 65 or 75 loan to value your first mortgage okay um and uh, so same thing right same seller financing that we're doing here so the Canada. first
0: one was VTB this first spot 75 percent VTB okay
2: and then I was going to get um, promissory notes from Canada, which obviously have to be higher because of the exchange rate. But I was going <laughs> yeah. to be using funds <laughs> from yeah. Canada as my down, my, my down, sort of my down payment. Huh? And so the same philosophy, the same negotiations, the same underwriting, um, knowing a little bit of nuances, right? Having to get EINs and things like that, and setting up the structures, which again is just typical caveat to doing uh, real estate in different places, hmm. but. This deal, we didn't end up purchasing it. It fell through in the due diligence period. The okay. it, Without getting too complicated, I didn't like the septic system. It wasn't a particular septic. There was another process to, and it was just, it was complicated. And I thought, you know what? This, this wasn't what was presented to me originally. And after mm-hmm. doing the due diligence, I'm out. Because it just was too, uh, it wasn't what we signed up for. So um, how, again, how
0: long goes the conditional uh, timeframe? Conditions 30 on days? that on the
2: inspection? I think this one financing was, uh, again, I think the inspection was 15 and financing was 30 or vice versa. Uh, But this was like five or six months ago.
0: Okay. But this is uh, for financing only 30 days? That's uh, okay.
2: It was hard money lenders.
0: Oh, okay. 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 So hard money lender.
2: Sorry, I'm mixing up deals now. We had a 10 plex that was hard money lenders and we had a mobile home park that was seller financing. So the seller financing was the inspection was subject to 15 days and that's when we had the home inspector go out and we didn't like the septic. Sorry. We had two deals. I'm mixing them up. So the seller financing was <laughs> the mobile. Yeah. <laughs> that's what happens, right? The mobile home park that fell through See, because we of we analyzed a
1: lot of deals,
2: right? <laughs> well, that's, and it was 15 days inspection. There was no financing. The other one was hard money lender. and And that's where the deal fell through was that septic issue. And it just, yeah.
0: I was out. <laughs> so, because Melanie mentions us about many the de- mini deals, every investor has this criteria. Like for for me, like some people uh, having hundred uh, deal on, on their desk every year, they analyze thirty, they submit offer for ten, and they close on one and two. So, what is your criteria here on when you're looking for how many of them you do underwriting? And because you're not gonna close or you're not gonna submit an offer an each deal, you're gonna have so.
1: And I, it's really, it's on full transparency. I find it difficult to put a, an actual number to it (laughs) um, because it it just depends. Like it, it depends on, I mean, probably what's happening in our portfolio. Some months we're not as active. Maybe we're overseeing, you know, we're, we're making changes with the property management. We have new staff members, all that kind of thing. Some months we don't buy any property. Like it was in 2020, the first nine months of the year we didn't buy a single property and we had analyzed but there single something to go and and then the last three months we bought 119 units um yeah so i mean obviously the, the more the better we try to analyze as many as we can hmm. um some of them also take a very long time some of our deals that we maybe said no to two years ago for whatever reason yet we kept in contact for example with the owner and something in the deal changed, maybe whether it was tenancy change or price changed or, mm. uh, and those ones came to to fruition as as well. So if every analyze a deal, and although it doesn't make sense for you right now, sometimes if, you know, especially if you had a big interest in it and you saw the potential in it, mm. keep it in mind because sometimes it's just timing for either for yourself or for, for the owner as well.
0: Okay. So, going back to the fun, which is I want to talk about your largest deal so far and your largest success, can we bring a deal and we can break it down like how much was that how you got the deal? what was uh, closing cost, how long did it take you to close the deal?
2: Yeah, I'm trying to think which one um... your biggest. <laughs> And see, I look at a couple of different ways. Like we have a 50plex um, and then, it, but it's like some of some deals we've doubled what the purchase price was we've doubled. So it's like, oh, that might be my, like, you know what I mean? So it just depends on, um, but the 50plex, we could talk about that one. Uh, I think we purchased for one point and I'm going to, this was in 2020. So I'm going off memory here. Um, 50plex was purchased for 1.6. This
1: is one, the oh. deal that was we. This is one of the deals that we worked on for, what, a year? It took a long time to come to fruition, so we kept working on it for for a long time.
2: Exactly. So it was 1.6, and it was composed of residential, commercial, and storage units. Hmm. So it's a a really unique building. 1.6, I think it was. Hmm. It's appraised now for, I think, 2.4, 2.6. And that was one that we purchased with hard money lenders Hmm. um, at a 10% interest-only first mortgage. So very, very high interest rates. And then, uh, but the deal still made sense. This was for about 18 months or so.
0: Okay. So the plan Um, was uh, doing a refinance?
2: Correct. We were hoping for 12, but we had built out a a two-month, or sorry, a two-year plan, and we were able to pay it out around the 18-month. And then from there uh, at the end, so we lifted the rents, we got things, obviously increased the rents, reduced expenses, repositioned, Mm -hmm. stayed It was vacancies, yeah. It, the previous owners were doing a good job. It just wasn't managed to as top notch as what is what we wanted to see, right? Which is fine. That's why we bought it. Um, so now, it, yeah, it appraised higher, and then we got into commercial financing. I think it was three point four six or three point four one. Yeah. So again, this this is pre the the rise of of the interest rates going up.
0: Yeah. Right now, three point nine.
2: Yeah. So yeah. there, so yeah, that was the thing. So and again, you have to look at different things, right? Because it was a tertiary market like North Bay, because there was commercial uh, component to it. It's a multi-use. So the lenders were like, eh, during COVID, commercial wasn't really the the most attractive. So um, yeah, we were able to refinance and exit it, and now the cash flow is a lot higher. Uh, and it was purchased with one hundred percent financing in twenty twenty during the pandemic with ten percent interest rate on the first mortgage. So, so you underwriting. You're
0: your part here of adding value and uh, change a performance. Usually, you see an actual opportunity when you see the expenses more than fifty percent of the total. So, what was the actual case here? Because you mentioned that the landlord was doing a good job, but you enhance the performance. How you did it? Like, what was the previous percentage, and how you enhance it uh, percentage wise?
2: And I don't remember, to be honest, fully honest with you, I don't remember okay. the exact um, for the NOI and that. I don't remember the exact expenses, uh, sorry, expenses ratio. I just, I usually put in our cash flow analysis matrix. Okay. So you to an I just look at the bottom lines and the four pillars. Yeah. Um, but basically, yes, there was some units vacant. There were some where they were under rented um, and it just wasn't. And again, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to throw uh, mud at the old owner. It was just, it, it just, it wasn't humming along like, a, like the engine could, right? So it was getting some of those non-paying tenants out, increasing the rents. There were some inefficiencies. There were some government programs for lighting in the commercial areas that we we exercised. So they they increase, sorry, they they decrease the expenses for free due to well um, government government programs and government loans to for energy efficient stuff. Um, so just, I know I'm making it sound simple here, but it was a lot of, it was it was a low hanging underperforming asset. Um, if it was fully rented and everything was up to snuff, we probably wouldn't have bought it, right? Because there was mm. no lift. So yeah. we saw it. We had been working on it for years, and uh, it finally came to fruition in twenty twenty.
0: Good, uh, uh, because I jumped and I, uh, I was trying to, you two guys to to focus in your system. If you like mm. to talk about your system about raise, not raising capital, it's raising capital, but it's uh, as we mentioned. Can you? We speak about your system. In details and especially that you have also a coaching program teaching students all over uh, ontario i think and even nationwide so can we talk about your system because we didn't talk in details about this
1: yeah so let me give you a a general idea of uh, essentially three different strategies that, that we use in order to to get this creative financing um, done the, the way that we do. So the first one and we kind of touched on, but essentially it's the it's owner financing, vendor takebacks where the owner holds part of the property for you. And we there's many different ways that you can do that. And if you're thinking you can go to a bank and do this. It won't happen. Um, You, you have to go to, mm-hmm. to a financial institution who's open to creative financing. Um, But I mean, we're even doing it in Costa Rica. That's how we purchased properties from all the way from North Bay to mm-hmm. Costa Rica was part owner financing and, and part promissory note that I'll explain in a moment. But owner financing, they can be in first, like the deal that Dave explained. Um, they can be a hundred percent owner financing. We've done a few of those. They're not as popular. Well,
2: they're unicorns, but yeah, they do They do
1: exist. But they do exist, Uh, but in that case, of course, the property needs to be fully paid out. So they're not as common. But the 2025% down that you often have to come up with, this is where we've done we, we had a lot of our growth was with the owner being in second place and and i mean we've been there as well like we've been on both sides we are on both sides we we have properties that we own and and the owner is holding financing for us and we have some of our properties that we sold because often that's normal and as part of your real estate journey you might sell a property and and put the money to work somewhere else um we're we're holding financing for other people and, and the reason we do it it's simple it's because it it benefits us it benefits for us from a tax perspective it benefits us because we got the listing price we wanted it benefits us because we're continuing to get interest even if i don't have tenants um so so that's why we do it so that's probably been the the most the major one that that we've used that has really helped us scale uh, part of our portfolio
2: Mm
1: -hmm. the second one would be using secured funds like rsps or TFSAs or 401k um, and and essentially, although you're not pulling it out because that wouldn't make sense. We we, we don't want to do that. They're just, if somebody has, let's say, RSPs at four or 5% and they're not happy with their return, you can use them without pulling it out um, and put it, it's secured with real estate. So a lot of people feel secured wanting to do this Mm -hmm. and you can offer them if the deal makes sense, if you have a clear exit strategy on paper and we use our matrix for that, um, then we're able to identify if it makes sense. And and we've we've done that a lot where we were able to use other people's RSPs. We actually um, bought
2: our family cottage uh, using a lady's RSPs as our down payment. So yeah, yeah. even uh, it wasn't an income property, but yeah, it still made sense. Yeah,
1: and do you want to go ahead and, and explain that contractual
2: agreements? Yeah, the promissory notes, like we said, you can do it. It's basically borrowing funds with a, with a contract. Um, I'm sure you, you're aware of that, Adam. But, and the thing that's nice about that is there's more leniency, right? So as long as you can prove to the borrower, the lender? Yeah, you're the bar. So <laughs> you can prove to the lender yes, that you have he a he solid did. exit strategy. So for example, like the ones we're doing in Costa Rica, the owner's holding to basically seller financing, right? Um, interest-only payments for two-year terms ballooned out so we don't have to make a single payment till the end of the two years. And the down payment was a promissory note here in Canada, buying real estate in Costa Rica. So as long as you negotiate the terms and the deal makes sense, at the end of the two years, the exit on that one is to sell it um so for example that particular asset i'll use a two-bedroom condo
1: because they don't have financial
2: institutions in there, so it's Rica, a little yeah.
1: it's again it's a same Difference strategy but a little particular. different right differences yeah. yeah
2: so that one we bought for 325 there's already condos selling for five 575 in that actual same dwelling hmm. so our exit's already built in we could sell it tomorrow pay them back and have some money but we want to wait the full two years because it's going to keep going up hmm. and if we see that things are going sour we're going to sell and and uh, at that point so again it's the same strategy it has to make sense you have to uh, underwrite it strictly and uh yeah I, that wasn't our first deal again I, I don't suggest hey go buy a seller financing deal in costa rica right off the hop but it's just <laughs> it's just to show people that go it's <laughs> going out. yeah exactly yeah, multi-family still our bread and butter that's my that's my favorite yeah,
1: it's a nice bonus because then we get to go on vacation and uh we have to go visit our properties. So it's a,
0: it's a nice excuse to go there. Just to explain to the listeners here. So when you're, you are you you need 100% of as a loan, you're dividing this to two portions. The first one is 75 loan to value and you're using um, a VTP on this, which is vendor tick back or seller financing. And the other 25 also from the same seller or the same owner as a property note, correct? Or you're taking the first one from... Uh, hard money
2: either war so yeah like let's yeah. use let's use an example so for the costa rica one
0: yeah the the
2: sellers actually holding the first mortgage So on that 325 they're holding um 225 or 227 so they're holding okay. the first mortgage basically yeah and then the down payment that's where the the money from came canada from canada no okay. promise it you know. Okay. Now we've had different ones as well. We've had hard money lenders like our cottage. Let's take that. I know it's not income property, but we had a hard money lender, a Mick through a mortgage broker who gave us a first charge mortgage of 65. It doesn't matter. 65% loan to value 70. They gave us a first mortgage. And then the lady with her RRSPs, she actually held the second mortgage of the difference for the down payment. Mm. Um, so it, it can work either way. Seller financing, they can be first, they can be second. Typically we see people wanting to be second. and then you just have to find a lender. Like the big five banks don't do it. so you have to find a lender that will allow a secondary financing behind. Again, it still has to make sense. Your, your deal still has to underwrite in cash flow even with 100% financing. And that's why Mel was saying earlier, we look at a lot of deals mm. because not every deal will make sense at 100% financed right so that's that's where that repetition comes in it's like a muscle and then once you find that deal boom you're ready to pull the trigger and buy it because it makes sense yeah. and you have to
1: continue to oh sorry go, no, ahead. No, go ahead go ahead go ahead oh i was going to say and you have to continue to keep that good communication with your hmm. with your lenders whether it's owner finance or secured funds or or, or promissory notes because often they do become it, it's like a snowball it does get easier the more you do it because of course your contact less your network better, yeah. grows as well and somebody who was once an owner of finance still they know like and trust us we pay them back early we pay them on time all all those great things um well now they might be willing to do a contractual agreement on a different property that may they may not know as well so it's really really important to to have that win-win we're huge on win-win negotiations again i want to make a lot of money i want to benefit from the properties that we're purchasing but i definitely want those who do business with us as well to benefit as well
0: I think that the main part here is to make the deal friendly, investor friendly. So how you can uh, say what was your approach to make the the deal investor friendly, especially that you have to focus on the benefit of the VTP to get this uh, snowball going and going.
1: Yeah, great question. And and for me, it comes down to communication. Really finding out if, if you're going to hold owner financing from me, Adam. What what do you need? What are you looking? For example, maybe you don't want to sell the property till next year because you've already sold a couple and from capital gains and, and those kind of things, it benefits you to hold off an extra year. Maybe you need a X amount of interest, and if the deal can sustain it, I can do that. Maybe we can do a balloon strategy with the. I mean, so it's really finding out what you need what's important to you is it the asking price or is it more the interest are you okay with the lower uh price to entry but you want more monthly cash flow uh, do you want interest plus a payment so it's just really having a conversation and that's where again every deal especially when you do this creative financing every deal is different the length will be different the interest will be different the um the, whether you do just interest only or balloon strategy with the interest or all those things are literally different for, for every yeah. single one of our deals because it's,
2: it's putting the creative and creative finance. Right? That's <laughs> what I love saying. It's, it's like building a puzzle.
0: Yeah. So uh, I think the last real estate question will be, How you managed to have a, a constant pipeline for deals? Because you said uh, not all of the deals are making sense. We're not going to go always with wholesaler or off-market deals or MLS. So how you managed to have a, a constant pipeline for your deals?
2: And. <clears throat> excuse me um yes the constant pipeline and it's almost as though like we always have yes wholesalers we have people reaching out to us on social media the other thing as well is having the techniques to be able to find seller financing we'll find seller financing deals right on mls right mm-hmm. realtor.ca realtor.com right for anyone to see right mm-hmm. uh, it's knowing it's, it's having the tricks to be able to find them quickly So like I, I literally spend 20 20 minutes a day looking for deals like that's all i need because i just boom, boom boom i hit a couple of different places boom off market places no, okay next now that being said, it just depends on, again, the peaks and valleys. So right now, are we looking at deals necessarily? Right now, yes. Always looking at deals, but we've got uh, things going on in the Costa Rica. There's a there's a whole flip going on, so time is being put to that. There's some places here in North Bay getting flipped, so putting time towards that and resources. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just right now. Do I do I need to buy a building? No. Do I want to? Yes, because it's fun, <laughs> right? But it's so it's just that. What am I trying to say is. The deals are always there. Sometimes more than others, we're, we're actively in acquisition mode. So then it's like, hey, pour on the deals, but sometimes we're not. So it just depends on what peak and valley we are in acquisition or stabilization mode. And then from there, it's just utilizing the strategies. Um that we show in the mentoring program how to find deals yeah i've also
1: used quite a bit um social media as well just to get known for people letting your friends know if you're brand new and and you're just starting off let your friends know let your neighbors know let people sorry our dog
2: is in the office i'm not sure you
1: can see the the dog (laughs) right close another (laughs) benefit of that yeah. Another uh, benefit of being an investor, you get to bring your dog at work, but, um, <laughs> but yes, but it, it's just being out there and letting people know that, Hey, I'm, 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 I want to buy a property. If you know of anybody in X area that, um, that has a property for sale, let me know. And uh, we'll be able to, to, just want a short, yeah. oh. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. 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 i hope
0: but uh she got wife... her
1: moment of fame yeah. there we go yeah. Thanks, i hope Autumn. to lose but
0: I, my wife is gonna kill me i have two cats uh, but after oh. two years of con- convincing and my daughter pulls the trigger i didn't able to pull the trigger but my daughter able but yeah i she, hope she, I had she can to...
1: get away with it
0: so. <laughs> <laughs> so i think everyone has asked me what is mel and dave superpower
1: so our superpower yeah
0: superpower and strength well,
2: um Go ahead. <laughs> i i oh my gosh i guess for
1: me to probably be get creative uh, yeah. you know to to any any problems that we've had i'm, I'm very solution driven mm-hmm. and um you know we wanted for example we wanted to solely own and, and we found a way around that that works really really well and and although i had fear around it and i wanted to make sure of all of these things I, I was really focused on finding solutions to to the issue
2: Okay. And I'm going to compound on that. I think this has always been our strong suit is when something goes wrong, it's, it's really weird when something goes wrong. Not that I get excited, he kind of, but does. I get excited because, <laughs> because I know this is going to make us better, stronger. It's going to make us more efficient. We're going to learn from it. It's going to be an experience and this too shall pass. Mm-hmm. So I think that's our uh, strong suit is when something goes wrong, instead of dwelling and feeling bad for yourself, boom, bounce back. Next time that's not going to happen because now we know when we have the experience. So I think that would be a superpower, turning a negative into a, a learning experience. Uh,
0: your coaching program, how does this help your system and your, uh, your lifestyle? Because I know that you have a, uh, a coaching system. You have a lot of, uh, you, get, you have a big network on, on, on Facebook. Uh, what was the motivation? First of all, is to have your coaching program and uh, how does this help your, your, your business in general?
2: So I'll talk about the systems. I know Mel will talk about the motivation. The systems is, honestly, like you see just us on social. We have a huge team uh, here in North Bay, throughout North America, throughout the, the world, basically. We couldn't do it alone. So I don't want to, I don't want, we get, you were the faces of it, we're the end product, but there's so many people behind us yeah. that do a lot of work. So I, I 100% cannot take credit for it all. Mm. We, we have a lot of big teams. The other thing as well is making non negotiable. So for example, every morning I get up I do about an hour or two hours after the gym and everything. They do like an hour of answering mentees questions. It's a non-negotiable every day, sometimes a 30 minutes, sometimes it's an hour and a half answer mm-hmm. the questions every single day. Once a week, I go live with the action family, non-negotiable, right? It's just part of our schedule. It's in the calendar. We did it. We're in Costa Rica. Sorry, Costa Rica, <laughs> Costa Rica. And it, it, it's part of our life. The family okay. understands it and all that. So we have systems and a team in place where once you make something non negotiable, then it's just part of the process. Now the motivation. I have no idea.
1: Yeah, and the motivation. Um, I mean, we we weren't planning on becoming mentors. It's not like we bought five properties and hey, let's you know, become mentors. We we had lots of. We had over close to hundred doors, I believe um and um and we we were on our way to a real estate investing conference and and we got in a really really bad car crash um we almost died that day it was a uh it was a uh, caused by a transport driver who was driving carelessly we were in backseat of the vehicle and uh, we rolled across a highway um four times we landed upside down the vehicle was completely really crushed uh, they don't know how we survived the crash um but somehow we did and, and it was a life changing moment for sure I mean I obviously I thought I was dying I have three kids we thought we were dying and and just going through that tragedy and, and thinking this is it like and you know what's going to happen to our kids and all that and, and once we were in a hospital just really for reflecting reflecting on our life now that we almost died and, and thinking um why are we not helping other people do this? Why are we, it's not even documented anywhere. My own kids, if I would have died on the highway, wouldn't know how to do this because I was so scared of sharing it. Scarcity it, mindset. Yeah, like even my mom used to ask me, Mel, how are you buying all these properties? Do you win the lottery. I'm like, don't worry about it, mom. Everything's good. <laughs> Everything's legal. Don't worry. Um, but that, it just changed my mindset. And, and now we have, you know, countless hours of updates live and documents and all that kind of stuff for to pass on to, to our kids. And, and I love it as well. Um, the reason we continue to do it is because uh, we have so many success stories like we've been doing Menti monday we started doing that just for fun about 85 86 weeks ago Uh, Mm. we just started um, featuring one of our success stories whether somebody bought three properties in in a month or four properties in five months and and we've been doing that now for over 85 weeks just as pretty amazing it shows that nothing special about dave and i it's just you nothing know we <laughs> knowledge resources and action that's my triangle to success right we have the knowledge and resources to pass i like on. A, about you guys
0: to be honest i like about you guys your marketing strategy i like where you i can find you on in in ads on youtube uh, and instagrams events uh, your coaching program uh, like uh, you have a really solid planning uh, to be uh, in different uh, real estate events and we can see your success and uh, like uh, I appreciate that. yeah, yeah, I, I see it everywhere. Oh, so thank, yeah. you. thank you.
1: And like Dave said, it's we team, I, I'd be, thing, yeah. we'd be lying if we take full credit. We have a I have the most amazing team in the world. I, um, I'm very, very grateful. Our team members are are really really good and and we definitely couldn't do it without without them for sure.
0: Yeah. So uh, the last question will be how people can reach you
1: well you you basically <laughs> said it so we're, we're on all social media platforms uh, yeah. we're on youtube on instagram on facebook and you can always find us our handle is always investor mel dave yeah. um so investor mel dave if investor you dave. there you go <laughs> um if you want Ladies first. to uh, yeah. yeah if you yeah. want to i know we talked about the strategies if ever you want to have a i have a video where we're actually drawing um as well on the whiteboard what this looks like so we actually put numbers behind what we explained today you can go to as well www.3secretstrategies.com mm-hmm. so it's number three three secret and uh, you can register for the free master class there we're we're actually in front of a whiteboard I, I know i'm visual so i like seeing the numbers um so if that's uh if you're like that as well go check that out as well
0: 100 thanks a lot for being with us today and i appreciate you taking the time and we're really happy to bring you again to the show
1: Awesome. awesome. Well, thank you so much, Adam, for for having us. Great uh great chatting with you. Yeah, thank you so Thanks much, so.
0: Adam. Thank you.